You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. If you have your Bibles, please open to Luke chapter 15, or like always, you can just follow on the screen. We'll be in quite a Uh, a few different scriptures, but Luke 15 is the main passage. And we're in a series called Coming Home, the parable of the prodigal son. And today is part two of the three-part series. And as we've been looking at this, we talked about how the prodigal son came home. And when he did, the father gave him three gifts. And those three gifts represent something that the father gives us when we are sons and daughters not servants. And so last week, we talked about the robe. The most important thing I said last week was this. We're sons and daughters because of birthright, not behavior. And this week, we're going to talk about the ring. So we'll begin in verse 22 of Luke chapter 15. Verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. Now, we'll talk about the shoes next week. In this series, I want to go through Scripture and look at what the robe, the ring, and the shoes represent spiritually. I showed you a few verses last week that the robe represents righteousness, that he robes us with righteousness. A ring represents authority. So this week, the message is called the ring of authority. God gives us authority. And again, I want to make it clear that it's by his grace, through faith, God gives us this authority. But we're going to talk about, uh, what we're going to talk about is this. Can we, even as sons and daughters, not walk in the authority that God gives us. Now, let me show you a couple of places in Scripture how the ring represents authority. In Genesis chapter 41, in two verses there, beginning in verse 42, then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. So he gave him authority. And the ring represented that. Now in Esther chapter 8 and verse 8, the king, Ahasuerus, is talking to Mordecai and to Esther. And he says, you, but you may write as you please with regard to the Jews in the name of the king and seal it with the king's ring. For an edict written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's ring cannot be revoked. So you see that authority again. Why? Because the ring represented authority. So we have representations even of authority today. But what I want to focus in on in this message is the ring of authority that the Father gives to the Son. So let me just talk about authority for a moment. 
Our drummer, uh, Rob Gatchell, is a state trooper. And he can stand in the middle of I-75 and hold up one hand and stop an 18-wheeler. Now, it's not because Rob's a pretty big guy, right? Rob, don't hold that against me. What I mean is, he, because he has a symbol of authority. It's called a badge, but it's not his authority. It's the authority of the state of Ohio. And when he stands, he has the whole state of Ohio standing behind him when he speaks. Now, I want you to think about that. The Father gives us authority. So when you're there trying to rebuke the enemy from your family, it's not your authority, it's his authority, right? Our country as a whole today does not have much respect for authority. Actually, in our homes today, there's not much respect for authority. That's the reason that the prodigal son ended up in the pig pen. That's just some things that happen when you don't respect authority. But the authority that I want to talk about today is the authority that Jesus gives us as a believer. We need to understand today that we are powerful in the name of Jesus if we know him. When we understand what this authority is all about. So Jesus comes on the scene with authority. Look at this in Mark chapter 1 verse 22. It says, And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Now look at this. You need to know something about authority. All authority is delegated. Romans 13.1 says, All authority is from God. All authority is delegated except God's authority. His authority derives from himself. But all authority on this earth is delegated. So the father in this parable delegates authority back to the prodigal son. And as sons and daughters, we can walk in that authority. But how do we walk in that authority? And how do we use that authority? So I want to share three things with you. Three ways to walk in authority. And the first is humility. The quickest way you'll lose authority is to walk in pride because it's not your authority. It's his authority. And when Jesus showed up, he showed up with humility. In Luke chapter 9, verse 1, it says that he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Now, many people will say, yes, he gave the 12 apostles or the disciples authority. That's Luke 9. But some people don't realize what happened in Luke 10 and verse 1. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. Now, let me tell you something about the 70 others. They were baby Christians. But he gives them the same authority that he gave his own disciples. And then they come back. Look at verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I just think that it's so crazy to tell Jesus, did you know even the demons are subject 
in your name? And Jesus goes like, really? You've got to be kidding me. No, he didn't say that. You know what he said? He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So here's what he's saying. Listen, when Satan crossed my dad, he was out like that. That doesn't surprise me that they're going to bow to my name because I know who I am. I'm my father's son. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then watch what he says. And he said to them, behold, I give you the authority. In the book of Philippians, it says, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I know we will not only bow and confess, but we will be on our knees. And I really believe that we will cry, holy. Listen to this song. I dreamed of a city called glory so bright and so fair when I entered the gates I cried holy the angels all met me there they carried me from mansion to mansion and all the sights I saw but I said I want to see Jesus, the one who died for all. I bowed on my knees and cried, Holy. I cried, Holy. I cried holy, I clapped my hands and sang glory, glory to the Son of God, and as I entered the gates, of that city my loved ones all knew me well they took me down the streets of heaven and all the scenes were too many to tell I saw Abraham Jacob 
and I said, I talked with Mark and sat down with Timothy, but I said, Timothy, because of that authority. This is what we all need to understand. It doesn't matter if you are an atheist, whoever you are. Every knee, every tongue, listen, will confess. Every knee will bow to the Lord. Incredible, incredible song. And as we talk about authority today again, as we go through this, we need to understand, for those of us who know the Lord, can call Him our Savior, the authority that we have. Now, let's look again at verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, remember, these are the 70. And I'm going to show you again in a minute that they are baby Christians. Baby Christians. They're new believers. Verse 19 of Luke 10, it says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, that would represent demons, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice, watch, because your names are written in heaven. Now, I told you they are believers. Their names wouldn't be written in heaven if they weren't believers. Now, how do I know they were new believers? The next verse, verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things. Now, we're going to talk about these things. From the wise and the prudent, watch and reveal them to babes, new Christians, babies. Even so, Father, it seemed good in your sight. And what was hidden? What were they talking about? They were talking about authority over demonic spirits. And here's what he was saying. 
Now look at this. Thank you, Lord, that you've revealed this to just baby Christians, but you've hidden it from the people who think they're smart, from the prideful, arrogant people. This is hidden. But the ones who are just babies who will walk in humility, they understand this, that they have authority in my name. Now, you need to know that there are demonic spirits and how we can be in bondage even though we're Christians. Sometimes I prayed for deliverance for someone. But listen, you better be prayed up and in fellowship with God before you do. So number one is humility. Number two is faith. Look at verse 5 of Matthew chapter 8. Now when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, no, pay attention. Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. Watch what he says in verse 9. For I also. Now remember that word, also. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant. Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. In other words, not even among my own people. This is a Roman. It's not even a Jewish person, and he's got faith. Why did he have great faith? faith. You know why? Because he understood authority. Here's what's amazing. Jesus said, I'll come and heal your servant. He said, no, you don't need to. Just speak the word because I also am a man under authority and I have those under me. Here's what he's saying. Now, this is a mouthful, but hear it. I recognize that you are under authority. Therefore, you have authority. I am also a man under authority, just like you're under authority. Jesus, I'm under authority. So I have authority because I'm under authority. But most Christians don't understand the real authority they have. And he had faith because he understood that. Most people don't see this. They don't. They don't see this, but faith is the word believe. It's the same word many times in Scripture. Many times it can be translated, or it will be translated, faith. And the same word will be translated belief. It's easy to overlook that. Put your faith in Christ. In other words, believe in Christ. Same thing. Faith is what you believe. Now, I want you to hear this story. A well-known pastor relates a story concerning he and his wife. She had been dealing with a long bout of sickness, recovering from both the flu and shingles. Just when it appeared that she was on the mend, she managed to accidentally break a large vase, 
which led to some major cuts in her hands, requiring her to visit the hospital for stitches. As the pastor waited for his beleaguered wife, who had already visited the hospital recently for her illnesses, he couldn't help but ask God why all of this was happening. Have you ever done that? Lord, why is all this happening? Why am I not able to cover her? Is there an open door in my life or some area of some disobedience that I'm missing? Deep down inside the pastor, God's answer was clear. It's because we are winning. The puzzled, uh, this puzzle, the pastor, as all he could see was the warfare going on around them. Now listen to me. Remember, faith is what you believe. It's no way. It's not what, what you say. It's what you actually believe. God impressed upon this pastor that although it may seem normal, now listen to this, to have the flu and that many people suffer from shingles, the problem was the ease with which his, his pastor accepted that these things as normal. What was not normal was losing. God started walking the pastor through great stories of the Bible. He said, yes, what happened? The Egyptians' army followed the Israelites. But what happened? They also drowned. Yes, Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. But what did I do? I shut the lion's mouths. Yes, the three Hebrews' children were in the fiery furnace. But they came right back out completely whole and didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. Yes, the scriptures reveal a constant battle, but make no mistake, we win. The shield of faith, in other words, what you believe extinguishes every flaming arrow of the enemy. The pastor concluded by saying that they called friends to come over. And they began to pray and worship and believe for healing for his wife. And victory in this warfare that God had revealed to them. Warfare is normal. It wasn't that they liked faith to win the war. The truth is their faith was in the wrong thing. They had become accustomed to believing in the wrong thing. So the second point is faith. Here's the third and last point, obedience. This is another way, how you walk in authority. Matthew 21, beginning in verse 23. Now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching. And they said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Who gave you this authority? Think about that. But Jesus answered and said to them. Now, I just love Jesus. You know, you know these people about to get it told to him. You know what I mean? He's just such a cool guy. He said, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. Isn't that cool? Okay, I'll ask you a question. If you get mine right, I'll give you my answer. If you don't, everyone here will know you're an idiot. That's just kind of the way it was, right? Verse 25, the baptism of John. Where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves. Can't you see them getting among themselves there? Saying, if we say it's from heaven, he will say to us, then why did you not believe him? But
But if we say for men, we fear the multitudes, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Okay, now here's the thing I want to bring out. There's like a paragraph there in the Bible, but that's not actually not where the conversation ended, okay? Because let me show you the very next part, the first part of the next verse. Look at this verse in 28. But what do you think? And then he tells a story. So now let's just go back for just a moment. They said, by what authority do you do these things? Remember that? Who gave you this authority? So he makes a point, and then he says to them, but what do you think? Where do you think I got this authority? Let me tell you how I got this authority. Are y'all following me? You can't stop there. You've got to keep reading. Watch verse 28. But what do you think? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went or repented and went. Then he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two, watch this phrase, did the will of his father? They said to him, the first, Jesus said to them, surely I say to you that tax collectors and harlots, prostitutes, entered the kingdom of God before you. What do you think they thought there? Now he's making a couple of points. One, he is saying, you said you would obey the Father, but you didn't. They said they wouldn't, but they are. Because I've come now, and they're listening to me. They're receiving me. So they're going to go to heaven before you. Now pay attention to this grammar. So before you, he's just clarifying his sentence. He's saying they're going to go to heaven because, listen, prostitutes, they're going to go to heaven. Why? Because they regretted it and they repented of it and they started following me. They repented and started following God. Now, do any of you know anything about the Welsh Revival? In 1904 to 1905, Evan John Roberts was an evangelist and one of the main leading figures of this revival. His obituary in the Western Mail summed up his career. He was a man who had experienced strange things. In his youth, he had seemed to hold the nation in the palm of his hand. Another leading figure was Dr. G. Campbell Morgan. On Sunday, Christmas Day of 1904, Dr. Morgan, pastor of Westminster Chapel in downtown London, England, delivered a somewhat unusual sermon. Contrary to his normal practice of expounding a passage of Scripture, he proceeded to tell his people about the remarkable things that the Holy Spirit was doing at the very time in Wales. This is what he said. I say to you today, beloved, without any hesitation, that this whole thing is of God, that it is a visitation in which he is making men conscious of himself without any human agency. During the Welsh Revival, the pubs were shut down. The prostitution 
houses were boarded up. But listen to this. There was such a move of God that sin wasn't even on people's minds. Wow. Folks, we may not live to see it, but I believe there's coming one even greater than this one. Now hear this statement. We need to quit worrying so much about what's going on in the White House and be more concerned of what's going on in our own house. Because I have enough problems of my own in my house. What about you? And then when we come to God's house, we need to be more concerned of what goes on in God's house. Because it's only going to start in our house before we can come and help change things in God's house and when God's house changes, then everything can change in the White House and in our world today. The Pharisees ask, where did you get this authority? Who gave you this authority? And man, here's what Jesus said. You know how I got this authority. By doing the will of the Father. I got it from the Father. Where do you think I got it? I'll just tell you a story. One guy didn't do what his father said. One guy did. Where do you think I got this authority? Are y'all following me? I'm just telling you that even as a believer, you can have a ring of authority. But you can walk in pride and you will have no authority. Or you can believe a lie and you'll lose your authority. Or you can walk in disobedience and rebellion and lose your authority. You might be saying and showing and everyone on the outside thinks that you're a good Christian boy or Christian girl, but you're not. Here's the problem. You're opening the door to the enemy of your life. It doesn't matter what your age is. At some point, you begin making your own decisions, even if you don't tell your parents. But if you start making your own decisions, and you start choosing to walk away from God, just like this prodigal son, you're going to suffer consequences just like the prodigal son did. Now, I want you to hear this statement. Some of you today may be living at home, but you still need to come home. The father is waiting with his arms open wide. Listen, you are a daughter of the Lord. You are a son of God. We are adopted into the family of God, and God has given us authority over the enemy and we don't have to walk in bondage anymore and it's time for us to start believing that because we can walk in freedom but it's when we exercise the authority that God's given us and he's given it to us I'm telling you and I want to emphasize that again that it is a gift we are not hired servants I said that last week we don't earn the favor of God we, we receive it Freely, We're sons and daughters of the Most High King. We're not servants. Even though we serve God, we are sons and daughters of the Most High by His wonderful grace. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.